Before we get into today's gospel lesson, let's remember last week's gospel story. Last week, Jesus was in the synagogue worshiping with the people in Capernaum, and a man presented himself with an unclean spirit, and Jesus compelled that spirit out of him, healing him. Today's gospel lesson finds another healing story. Jesus, after he has healed that man with the unclean spirit, goes with Simon and Andrew to their house. And there, Simon, Peter's mother-in-law, is sick with a fever. Now, a fever in the first century, that was serious business. This is not something that you could just, you know, take some ibuprofen, wait it out a couple days, and then you'd be okay. This was life or death. She was sick, and they were trying to treat her as best they could. And then Jesus goes, takes her by the hand, lifts her up in bed, and heals her. The fever leaves her. She is made well. Now, as you can imagine, back-to-back healing moments makes a big impact. And then people started to bring a whole bunch of people to Jesus to have him heal them. Healing. God's healing touch is an idea that I think we all like. This sounds pretty good. Now, the concept of healing makes sense to us in a physical way, right? We all know about physical healing. We know about those sort of basic physical healing, like you get scraped, you get cut, it bleeds, you've got to clean it, you've got to bandage it, it's got to scab over, make new skin, all is well. Then we know about complex physical healing. That's when we've got to go beyond the medicine cabinet and actually go to the hospital, right? That could be something as straightforward as a broken bone. It could be something a whole lot more complicated like heart surgery or many other kinds of very, very difficult treatments. Physical healing makes decent sense to us. But the concept of spiritual healing, now that makes far less sense. Now we know what it's like to feel lost. We know what it's like to feel sad, to feel lonely, perhaps even depressed or hopeless. But how does God fit into that spiritual healing? How does God fit in to those moments? Now, we, with spiritual healing, should consider first what happens with Jesus in these miracle healing moments. Consider what happened after Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. She sits up in bed, she is healed, fever leaves her, and then what does she do? She immediately begins to serve them. In just a few more verses in this same gospel, we're going to see that Jesus meets someone with leprosy. He heals that man with leprosy. And what does he do? Even after Jesus tells him not to tell anybody, that healed leper goes from town to town telling everybody what Jesus did. Jesus's work, Jesus's person, what Jesus brings is no longer a secret. And he begins to attract crowds everywhere he goes. Why? Because that healing is miraculous. Healing especially when we experience some kind of spiritual healing, is life-changing and can be life-giving. And it's hard to keep that bottled up. God's healing touch can be pretty complex. But healing begins with one simple idea. Hear that? We begin the healing process with one simple idea. We need to accept, really accept, what is keeping us sick. 
Now, far before Jesus lived, there was a Greek philosopher named Hippocrates. Hippocrates, this philosopher, this father of medicine, said once, before you heal someone, ask if he's willing to give up the thing that makes him sick. This idea is profound. In the Gospels, Jesus heals many people physically, but Jesus' mission, we as disciples, is not about physical healing miracles. Jesus' mission is to inspire people then and inspire us now to a much more profound kind of healing, to get in touch with what is making us spiritually sick and be healed in that truly profound way, much more than physical healing can ever achieve. In Matthew's gospel, we see this kind of dichotomy between physical and spiritual healing very plainly in the story of Jesus healing a paralyzed man. Now, we all probably know this story. Jesus is speaking to a paralyzed man, and he says in front of a small crowd, your sins are forgiven. And then there is this chatter. People begin to criticize Jesus for speaking like God, and then Jesus says something profound back to his critics. He says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? Jesus turns back to the paralyzed man and says, take your mat and go. That moment is meant to play with our limited worldview. It seems so much easier to say some nice words to someone, right? Your sins are forgiven. And it seems so much harder to tell a person born paralyzed to get up and walk. And yet Jesus does just that. The spiritual healing is far more important than the physical healing, but the spiritual healing is far harder for us because we're often not willing to give up that which is making us sick. Now, Spiritual healing can take on many different forms. I mean, truly, spiritual healing takes on as many forms as there are people in the world. But I do think there is a way to understand kind of four basic categories of spiritual healing. Now, I could probably speak for an hour on each of these. So just know I'm not going to really flesh these out. But let's hit those four to give us at least a little bit of an idea of what spiritual healing might look like. First spiritual woundedness. Now, spiritual woundedness is when someone has hurt us very deeply, and rather than trying to work out those emotional spiritual wounds, we just carry them with us. And over time, those wounds get infected, right? We know how that works on our skin. Those wounds deep inside of us get infected, and we begin to vomit that woundedness on everyone else in our life. We begin to hurt people like we have been hurt. Two, spiritual malnutrition. Now, the Bible says a lot of stuff about how people can begin a life of faith with lots of vigor and lots of energy only to let that slide away very quickly. Spiritual malnutrition is when we hear something good and we experience something good and we're like, Jesus is great. And then we choose to follow Jesus. And then very soon after... Life gets hard, 
And rather than going to seek the nutrition and the sustenance we need to maintain our spirit, we just kind of let it go and we fall away and we get off the path. The Bible is that source of real nutrition, of real spiritual sustenance. And going back to the Bible to be fed again and again is what keeps us nourished. Three, spiritual paralysis. Spiritual paralysis is, man, I see this all the time right now, where people decide that the right way to do this discipleship is their way. They see God and the way they are to act through the single lens, their own. And they become locked, paralyzed in this single way of being. And what that does is it makes them apart from the community. It sets them apart so rigidly that they can no longer see the beauty in the diversity around us to learn from other people and to actually grow and blossom and expand in their own spiritual health. Four, and perhaps the most dangerous, the spiritual virus. Now, it is true in this pandemic, we've learned a lot more about viruses than we probably ever cared to know. And one of the things true about most viruses is that the people carrying the virus are most contagious right before they begin to show symptoms. A spiritual virus is when discontent becomes an infection. Except the people look just fine on the outside, right? Dressed well, doing everything they're supposed to do, saying everything they're supposed to say. And yet inside, this genuine disconsent is beginning to make them sick. And perhaps even unbeknownst to them, they are spreading that discontent, that spiritual virus to other people within the community and undermining their own spiritual health. Now, I say all of this about spiritual health for one particular reason. In less than two weeks, we begin the holy season of Lent. Lent is an opportunity for us to ask ourselves the big question. Who do we want to be? God created us. God created each one of you uniquely. God has dreams for you, hopes for you, for each of us, about who we will or can become as disciples. But becoming that person, it takes work. It takes commitment and it takes faith. Who we want to be necessarily begins by deciding to turn away from what is making us spiritually sick. We are ready to help each other to do this well this Lent, to make a good turn this Lent. St. Michael has produced little Lenten kits that are gonna go to your homes to bring the sacred, to bring our church community into your homes in some very unique and probably new ways. These Lenten kits were mailed to everybody 
who made a financial pledge of support to the church since January of 2020, but we have extras for anyone else who wants one of these kits in their homes. These kits contain small, meaningful components that will help you build throughout the season of Lent. You'll build a home altar representative of who you are and who you want to be. There are meditations that go from day to day that help you continue to ask the question, who do you want to be? And then go back into scripture, into these ideas with our podcasts to help vet this idea, to figure out perhaps how we are spiritually sick and how to turn away from that and to make a good turn toward God and daily habits, missional habits that help us focus not just on ourselves, but on our community and the way that we can impact our community by building daily gifts that we will then give away. These Linton kits are not just to stay busy. These kits are meant to give you an opportunity every day to consider who you want to be and to make intentional, tangible, habitual steps toward becoming that person. This gift comes from our sacred space to bring that sacred space into your homes in really good ways. Now Lent is not often a season that people look forward to, right? But this year, we have the opportunity in Lent to make a big, hard reset. And over the course of this season, we will build something so personal that it is my hope by the time we get to Easter, we are ready to welcome the resurrected Christ into our lives in really new ways so that we get back on the path toward becoming the person God created us to be. Now, I can't wait to do this myself with my own family and to do this with all of you. Lent is coming. Let's get ready to be honest. Let's get ready to be courageous. And let's get ready to make this Lent an opportunity to truly open ourselves up to God's wonderful healing touch. Amen.